What do you think? I think we're dead meat. Real dead meat. You're dead meat! Go ahead and laugh, you guys. If I ever find a little bastard of business, they're dead meat. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Dead Meat Podcast. This is James A. Janice. And this is Chelsea Rebecca, and we're boyfriend and girlfriend, and we like to get scared together. Yeah, we do. This podcast is an extension of the Dead Meat YouTube channel that you know and love, hopefully. If you don't, check it out. And we're using this podcast as an excuse to do all sorts of things with horror. We're trying out a few different things because we just started, so we're going to do a review today. And uh, I kind of let I, I let you pick this one out from my Blu-ray collection. And yeah. what movie did you pick, Chelsea? I picked Wishmaster. That's right. Uh, because I had never seen it. I feel like I've heard of it, at least. But the premise, once you explained what it was... <laughs> I it was hard to sway me to pick anything else. Yeah, I did try to lean you in other directions just just as a test. I'm fine with Wishmaster and it ended up being I was more than fine with Wishmaster. Yep. Cuz it's been a long time since I've seen this movie. I feel like Wishmaster is on I don't know what I would call it. The the tier 2 of horror movies. If if your tier one horror movies are the ones that even non-horror fans are familiar with, your Fridays and your Nightmares and your Halloweens and your Saws and all that, I feel like tier two is the horror movies that maybe those people wouldn't know and maybe even some casual horror fans wouldn't know. So what, this Phantasm? Phantasm, I would also two. definitely put a tier maybe two. Maybe Puppet Master? Sure, yeah, tier two. Tier two. Uh, I'm trying to think. And we're not saying those are worse. No. It's I'm just, just saying as far as notoriety goes. Yes. I feel like Leprechaun would be halfway in between the two. Yeah, because I, I think I knew what Leprechaun was even before I got into horror movies. Yeah. But Wishmaster is, you've done some digging. You know what Wishmaster is? The, you've probably watched a lot of horror movies. And this movie is actually, I think it's a great little treat for horror fans. It is chocked full of horror people. I fucking loved Wishmaster. <laughs> it's a great, great movie. Not a good movie. No, it's not a good it's movie. It's not good at all. But it's so fun. It's in that nice sweet spot of schlocky. It's bad, but it's good. Yeah, and I think that it's uh, it's not meta, but it also doesn't take itself too seriously. Yeah. It definitely respects the genre and fans of the genre. Uh, it's, it's, it was released in 1997. It is Wes Craven presents Wishmaster, but that just means he executive produced. Yeah. Which in most cases for a movie, not television's entirely different. Mind you for a movie, most of the time executive producers are just the people putting up the money, but I feel like probably more likely with horror. They also may have had some creative input. Yeah. And presents also the person I always think of is Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Like go look at how many movies have quentin tarantino presents it's so many yeah and it's it's also just kind of like that person is giving their seal of approval exactly so you can trust that it is something that they like that maybe is uh it jives with the tone of their productions because this is i mean this comes out a year after scream so wes craven is hot right now 97 he is hot 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 like mm -hmm. no wonder he had so many people working with him here. He had, I mean, you you get 
not only Robert England in a substantial role here, but you also get cameos from Kane Hodder and Tony Todd. Yeah, those opening credits were a ride because I didn't know who was in this. So it was like Kane Hodder is like, oh, and then Tony Todd, oh my God. And then Robert England, oh my God. Yeah. We're, so I was so excited. I don't know if there's any other movie that has Jason, Freddy, and Candyman all together. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know if Tony Todd is in Hatchet, but that might be the case with those. I haven't seen those movies. That's kind of a fun trick question is like, what movie are Robert England and Kane Hodder in together? Yeah. It's not Freddy versus Jason, Jason, it's Wishmaster. (laughs) So the composer was Harry Manfredini. Yep, and he did all the music for a bunch of the Friday the 13th, not all of them, but uh, most notably now perhaps the game. He scored the game. And there are a lot of moments in this movie where there are little stingers and bursts of music that sound li- like they were lifted straight from the game. Just like a, a trumpet, like mm-hmm. with the strings. It was great. That was a lot of fun. The director is Robert Kurtzman, and he's not really primarily a director. He's actually a makeup guy. Okay, primarily. so kind of a Tom Savini. Like Tom Savini did makeup, but then he started directing and stuff. Yeah, that's right, because Tom Savini directed the 1990 remake of Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. yeah. Tom Savini shows up in this for like a second. He, he also we missed it. We had to go back and find him. Yep, and uh, he's in a scene with a cameo from Reggie Bannister, who is in all the Phantasm movies. There's so many people <laughs> in this. It's <laughs> uh, Robert Kurtzman, he did makeup on Dream Warrior, Dream Child, uh, those two Freddy movies. Uh, 13 Ghosts, which has a lot of good gore. Most recently, Bye Bye Man. Oh my God. Yep. We we need to do a review of the Bye Bye Man. Yeah. Oh yeah. Someday. I think he wrote From Dusk Till Dawn. Mm-hmm. So he's definitely involved. And like, uh, there were a bunch of makeup guys on this movie because uh, it looks good. One of the makeup guys is Greg Nicotero, who actually formed a company with Robert Kurtzman and Howard Berger, who is uh, also a makeup guy here. And Greg Nicotero is most known, I think, for doing the makeup for The Walking Dead. So big, big pedigrees here. So let's the the overview of this movie is that there's a uh, there's a genie run around. It's a gin. It's a gin, it's not a, a gin genie. Specifically, not a genie. Forget Barbara Eden. Forget Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. It's a gin, and after- I think it's nuts that this movie came out in the late '90s. Why do you say that? This feels like an '80s movie to me, like the premise at least, or early '90s premise because i feel like late 90s is when horror started to get super grounded or at least like because of scream and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so i I think of stuff like i know what you did last summer you know it's stuff that's a bit more grounded in reality and isn't as silly i guess this this would be more in line it feels more in line with like child's play or leprechaun yeah and that's late 80s early 90s so yeah 97 does feel a little late for this premise uh but boy is it fun Oh, God, it's so, so wonderful. So it opens in the 12th century in Persia, where there's just a bunch of crazy shit going on. Yeah. Oh, well, don't forget there's a giant text wall at the beginning of this movie. Oh, read by, narrated by Angus Scrim, the tall man from Phantasm, (laughs) just in case you needed one more horror (laughs) legend to be involved in your movie. Yes. Yeah. There's like two. You have to read like two pages of stuff before the movie starts. And it's like (laughs) about how God created the angels or something. He created light, then light created angels, something, something. The jinn got created and they exist like 
on another plane. I don't know. Once in a time before time, God breathed life into the universe, and the light gave birth to angels, and the earth gave birth to man, and the fire gave birth to the jinn, creatures condemned to dwell in the void between the worlds. Yeah, don't start your horror movie off with two pages of reading. Yeah. Even if you have Angus Scrim reading it. But so then we're running around a set that looks like it's straight out of the Brendan Fraser mommy movie. I wrote down <laughs> on here that this had better effects already than the mummy. It oh. looked better than the mummy. Oh, I don't know about that. No, it absolutely does. Oh. I thought, which is. I'm a mummy defender. I'm a mummy yeah. apologist. See, we watched it recently. The, the racism oh, of it. It's. It's a fun adventure movie that it happens to be a little racist. It's a little racist. <laughs> it's, yeah. But there's a whole bunch of crazy shit going on. Uh, people have like wooden heads and there's a chest burster coming out. And like this, the guy with the skeleton who like this, his own skeleton rips that out of his cool. skin. So like right off the bat, it's like, oh, cool. We get some cool effects. I like there's a guy who's turning into a snake. And he's oh, like, snake guy. help us. <laughs> yeah, you said he didn't even, he, he, that he didn't get that bad of a deal. No, I'm saying that if you're there and you had to pick, like, all the things that are going on, if I had to pick, all right, do I want to have a chest burster rip out of my stomach or do I, my, do I want my skeleton to, like, start becoming independent of my body or would I just want to be a snake? I'd rather just turn into a snake. I guess. This genie, by the way, just made me think of what would have happened in Aladdin if Jafar won and just became a genie and that's how the movie ended he's like jafar out of control yeah yeah uh well the guy running around looking at all this stuff and i do say looking at it because he like stops and watches some of it happen for a while just to like give us the treat of checking out this awesome makeup uh it's actually zoroaster the founder of uh what is i i believe commonly accepted as the world's first monotheistic religion yeah zoroastrianism famous zoroastrian Freddie Mercury. Oh, that's right. He's who I always think of. I I can't remember exactly the tenets of the faith or the details of it. I I always just my brain kind of always sticks to fun facts and trivia, and I just know that's like the the first monotheistic religion. Mm. But this is Zoroaster running around, big historical figure, and he stops the uh, I don't, is it a pharaoh? Is it a king? Uh, um, I think it. The Wikipedia said he was the emperor. Okay, sure, which makes the sense. The Persian Empire, yeah, sure, that makes sense. Uh, and yeah, this emperor is about to give this jinn a third wish, but Zoroaster stops him and he puts him in an amulet. Yep. Yeah. He puts the genie in. He puts the genie. Not the, not the emperor. That's right. So the jinn goes into this big jewel. Uh, so we do get a look at the jinn and what he looks like in that opening scene. And how do you feel about it? I love it. Yeah. I love the jinn so much. I want to meet <laughs> this actor and tell him I love him. Uh, and the actor is Andrew Divoff, yeah, who uh, would pl- would reprise the role in the first sequel, not the the latter two, but also this fucked you up last. This night. fucked me up when you found out and told me <laughs> he played Mikhail in Lost. Uh, Lost is a passion of mine. Uh, I I will occasionally scream at the skies randomly for what it did in the sixth season because I hate it. Yeah. but it is I maintain that it is five seasons of amazing television. And so to find out that this dude was in Lost, uh, he's he's the guy with the eye patch, the Russian guy with the eye patch who caused a little trouble for our survivors. He's an other. 
He uh, ends up <laughs> he ends up outside of a sub, blowing himself up with a grenade, and that ends up killing Charlie. Spoiler alert. You know what's freaky to think about is I bet that those episodes of Lost are closer to Wishmaster than they are to present day. 100% they are. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. But Andrew Divoff does a great job. Oh, my God. He's having so much fun. Yeah. He looks just like Patrick Warburton. He does. Because we, yeah. we see him later out of makeup. He, he walks around as like a guy. Yeah. And uh, he's having a great time doing that. He's having a great time in the makeup. He's given like kind of like a half Jack Nicholson performance, I think. Yeah. Hard, I could see it. Yeah. It was hard for me to pin down exactly what he was doing. A lot of like crazy grinning. and uh, But yeah, he looks exactly like patrick warburton to me it was freaking me out there there's a little freddy i think in, in the performance mm-hmm. sure yeah I, I i wondered how the onset conversations were with him and like and robert england and robert england i bet robert the- england was very i just imagine him being very fatherly in real life and i bet that he gave him lots of advice yeah that's i don't know that's just how i imagine him being yeah i hope he was like well if this becomes big, like, you got yourself a nice game. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> from, like, one horror guy to another. God, I really want to meet Robert England. All right, now we're in present day. Oh, speaking of, we're in pres- this is the best ever. We go to present day, and it's a dock with a big boat, and they're unloading this this crate like no one does. I just never imagine people unloading shit like this, where you have, like, a crate that's clearly super heavy, just hanging from a crane like 40 feet above the deck yeah it's and then robert england is standing there and he is clearly a wealthy dude and he's like i've been waiting 10 years for this <laughs> and i just loved imagining this movie that robert england's not playing a character like this is what he does with his freddy money is <laughs> he, he just, just buys artifacts <laughs> yeah yeah it's they call it an antiquarian sculpture of a ahura mazda i'm bad with words that sounds right though thanks and but oh no the crane operator is drunk yeah and he spills his drink all over the controls and that boy crashes down onto robert england's assistant crushing him who is played by the way by uh it's a Raimi right? it is I it's saw Ted Raimi it's Sam Raimi's brother okay <laughs> which is lots of fun but I <laughs> watch the crane operator after this thing crashes and fucking crushes this poor man to he death. basically spikes the camera and is like oh no he puts his hands on his head <laughs> and is like yeah he sounds like the bumblebee guy from the oh, Simpsons <laughs> He might as well have just looked straight to the camera and been like, what a stinker. <laughs> and then like Iris in on him. Oh, man. And roll so credits. Good. That guy gets smashed. <laughs> yeah. And then a gem pops out of the statue. But nobody sees it except for our fucking long haired, goateed, uh, blue collar looking yeah. guy Doc who pockets Parker. this thing. Uh, I forget his name. I wrote it somewhere. It doesn't matter. Etchison. Yeah. This dude's name is Etchison. He steals this gem without anyone looking, even though it's at uh, what is now a a crime scene of a Mm -hmm. horrible fatal accident. Mm -hmm. He just pockets this gem. So we cut to this uh, appraisal. Regal auctioneers. Oh, is that what it's called? With a nasty font for their logo. Oh, it's nasty. It's very 90s. It looks like a a movie theater. Yeah. Uh, So then this 
this pawn shop owner shows up with the fire opal, says he got it from a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy. Like he's super vague about it. Yeah. And he wants to get it appraised. So he turns it in. Yeah. To and, this and the, auctioneer. The the pawn shop uh the pawn shop guy's name is Clegg or Kleeg, which is <laughs> That's a fucking Star Wars name. Yeah. But this is before that ever came. This is five years before Klee Lars was uh, oh, yeah. rolling around on his hover chair in Attack of the Clones. Oh, my God. So that's fun. Uh, but the guy at the auctioneer place, this dude named Nick is the character. Oh, man. Holy fuck. His hair is gross. It's parted down the middle, but it kind of swoops forward a little bit still. And it looks it's, so crunchy. And he has this shirt on that if you went to any goodwill now would be there it's like a what it's like lime green corduroy it's a lime green corduroy v-neck collared shirt fuck it's really good it's like the designers couldn't pick a style they just closed their eyes threw a few darts and were like let's make this shirt he's a walking green screen (laughs) yeah yeah and the the lady up front is shannon at the front desk who seems kind of comatose in this scene. So I was very shocked <laughs> to find out that she was actually like a main character kind of. Yeah, she's the she's the main character's sister. Yeah, although she is kind of a later. cipher. We don't really, she's just there to be a, a you know, someone in distress for our, yeah. uh, for our protagonist to worry about. But oh, I just realized it's a fire opal and fire is kind of the whole uh baggage that these sisters have. Especially Alex, because oh, their parents burned up in a fire. Wow, Wishmaster. Yeah, Wishmaster. Wishmaster's working on a lot of levels. deep, man. I don't care what the critics with its 21%, 21%. say. You know what? That's the sweet spot, though. It is. The sweet spot is between 20 and 29%. You find a movie with that rating on Rotten Guaranteed. Tomatoes, it's a good time. You're going to have a fun time, it- dude. Honestly, it has worked for us every single time. Yeah. If we don't know what to watch, we we look up a few movies, and if any of them are in that sweet twenty percent range, we've strayed before. We've tried something in the forties. No, it's just boring. Bad. It's, it's just not boring. bad enough to it's be. It's not bad enough. We've tried something in the teens. Too it's bad. Too bad. You can't watch it. Yeah. Yeah. But no, yeah. this is in that sweet spot because in that sweet spot you get scenes like the tennis match with the nineties music yeah. between our protagonist Alex Amberson. Amber, I notice, like an opal oh, kind of okay. thing. Yeah, lots of fun stuff here. And she's playing with her friend Josh, who uh, who's played by Jack Lemon's son, I found out. Oh, okay. So just so many. Okay. So many, like, uh, relatives of famous people. It's weird because I... I- just like I was thinking like, okay, Jack Lemmon's like, what if you get that guy and then you get Jamie Lee Curtis, who's also a horror icon, but then she's Tony Curtis's daughter. And then oh. you can do a some like it hot kind of yeah. reunion. That's fun. Special. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Because ja- Jamie Lee Curtis is uh, definitely the same kind of billing as this guy in Wishmaster. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever Lemon. <laughs> you know, I bet they hang out. <laughs> Uh, Josh is hardcore friend zoned by Alex. I thought maybe we could go out. We go out all the time. <laughs> yes, we go out uh-huh. all the time, but we don't okay, go out. Josh, There's a difference. It's... You are my best friend. Do you know how hard a friend is to find? I don't want to. I don't want to mess that up. Dates are a dime a dozen. Oh my God. This is a thing where we don't see stories like this anymore because now we're also aware of what the friend zone is and like the cliche of the friend zone. Cause he wants to get with her and she's like, but Josh, I just like having you as a friend. And so, but because this is 97 
I I believe the audience is supposed to be like, but no, you should get give with him a him. chance. He give wants to chance. take you to a ball game. Yeah, no, no, she wants to go to a ball game. He wants to oh. go to the movies. Although I guess oh, he does right. want to take her to a ball game. Ball game oh. for some hot dogs. Hey, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but she, yeah, she's not interested. He says he's he puts a spell on her and he puts a sweaty Ew, so fucking he goes, hat. I on wrote her. it down. He goes, he's like, I'm casting a spell on you, and then he takes off his sweaty ass hat that he's been playing tennis in and puts it on her head. No fucking thing. I mean, she just she, she like, just lets ew, it sit so there. Gross. She like gets in her car. And it's he's probably right just, up in her face. Like he, I put a spell on you. <laughs> put this gross ass hat on her. It's so nasty. She just drives off with his sweat rolling down her face uh yeah uh then so they go back they work together he's, he's like i'm going to the lab just generic lab yeah we don't see until later that he's actually like an analyzer of the stuff that they get yeah. at the auctioneer place and that she it works there he does uh, the beep boop computer stuff be, oh, no idea how accurate here yeah. This gem computer science but apparently being an appraiser at an auctioneer job it it just doesn't pay enough because you got a midnight as a basketball coach too. Yeah. Cause our main I character. I forgot about this weird. Now I think about it. Why is this? Well, because there. honey, she tells the middle school aged uh, girls that she's coaching in basketball that they need stillness to make their shots. And okay. then in the end, when she's trying to think of the third wish that'll defeat the gin, she thinks to herself, stillness so we had to have a whole basketball yeah a couple scenes there too i guess it makes you you know see her as a bit more of a person yeah she plays tennis she coaches kids she's got it all yeah except for except for a man except for a man but josh is there or is he because he's he won't be there for long because he's examining that gem and doing his beep boop and science and uh, then his fucking microscope and computer blow the fuck up. Yeah, she has the gem and she's like looking into it and she's like, oh, it's kind of dirty. So she she blows on it like, oh, yeah. And then she rubs it on her shirt, which yeah. any appraiser worth their salt would know. That's how you wake a genie. She wakes the genie. Yeah, she wakes him up by or the gin. Just like, oh. mm-hmm. and then rubbing him on her, I'm, which I guess you rub a lamp. Mm-hmm. So rubbing it on the shirt, so sure. that awakens him. Yeah, and, and like ties him to her. Yeah, so they're like linked now. Yeah, and so now when this dude, what's his name? Josh. When Josh is looking at the, because she says there's something inside of it. Can you check it out? That's right. It would she see a little tiny gin a in there? Gin. <laughs> like hey, yeah. Let me out. So she's like, hey, can you look at this? So he puts it in the gem computer, <laughs> yeah. which is like a conveyor belt that goes into this thing. And then has lasers shoot it. And then it's a very 90s computer display that's like analyzing gem. And we were just half expecting it to be like genie detected. <laughs> but so then his computer blows up. Yeah, which, which really hurts him in the process. And then the gin crawls out looking like a uh, uh, stage one DBZ character, honestly. He looked like... I wrote down Mars Attacks. Yeah. He looks like Mars Attacks. I was thinking Dragon Ball Z. Either way, this version of the gin, played by Vern Troyer, oh! who would be Mini-Me in the Austin Powers movie shortly oh, after this. Oh, okay. So that's fun, because he's, he's like a little guy here crawling on the floor. Oh, and yeah. And he crawls yeah. up next to Josh and is all like, hey, uh, yo, you want this pain to stop? And I, 
See, I feel like uh, I I thought they would have to be more explicit, but here the gin is just like, tell me you want the pain to cease, and Josh is like, okay, yeah, and then that just counts That's as a, a wish, wish. I guess. yeah. So obviously, you want the pain to cease, so he kills him. He kills him. This is when I realized that this gin was gonna be that kind of guy, like a wordplay yeah. genie, where you have to be. Very careful about how you word your wishes, which is fun. It's a lot of fun. Which so that's like if you wish for a million bucks, you get a million deer on your sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's pretty much all of Act Two is him going around doing kills like that. It's so and it's a ton of fun. It kind of loses that at the party in the end, which we'll get to. Uh, yeah, because it kind of just kind of blows out the rules of this <laughs> gets, whole thing. It just <laughs> it goes gets ridiculous. It goes off the rails at the end. But this premise for a horror movie villain is a lot of fun, and I can see why they made sequels. I'm a little shocked that it didn't become more well known. Although, come to think of it, I can't recall because it's been so long since I've seen the Leprechaun movies. I wonder if it's the same kind of thing with him. If it's like, I'll grant your wishes, but it'll be like a fun little I turn see. of phrase. So maybe that's why. Maybe Wishmaster was just being kept down by Leprechaun, who was like, dude, you're in my lane. Yeah. And I've been here it's for It's very, for I mean, years. that's like an old, like, monkey's paw. Yeah. Isn't it? Where they, what, in that story, they wish their son. Uh, I think their son dies in the war or something and they wish that he would come back. And so they basically like a zombie version of their son shows up. Yeah. I think that that's how that story goes. So what now I next I just have this bum rules. (laughs) Well, that is uh, the next big moment. But (laughs) but after killing Josh, uh, two important things happen. Alex seems to feel it. And so this poor Mm -hmm. actress spends a lot of this movie with the camera just crash zooming in on her, dissolving to whoever's dying at the moment, and her like shrieking in pain because I guess she feels all these deaths that the yeah, gin is doing. Yeah, and half the time she's like with other people. Yeah, and then the gin also after killing uh, Josh, he like levels up and becomes the full gin. But like that's it. This is the only kill where that happens. I thought he would like keep yeah. leveling up into higher higher forms, but no, he just I guess he just need one kill to get him where he needed to be. Uh, yeah, there's also the detective Nathanson who mm-hmm. comes in and is checking out the place. A lot of fun. He's played by the guy who's in aliens and plays, uh, he's one of the Marines frost ends up getting lit on fire and falls down a well. But so it's cool to see that guy showing up. He's real tall and she runs in there and, uh, you know, she sees that her friend is dead and then yeah, we get homeless guy. Oh, man. I love this scene so much. So there's a homeless man outside of a pharmacy. I wouldn't even hesitate to call this guy a bum. Not that I would ever call a homeless person in real life a bum, yeah. but like movie stock character. This, this, is this dude's a the bum, bum. Straight up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So he is outside of the pharmacy. He's uh, asking people for money and so the the pharmacy owner comes out who is the biggest dick in the world he comes out and he yeah and the pharmacy owner is reggie banister from phantasm oh uh, man this and, movie's and sad. the homeless guy I, I i'm not familiar with this dude george buck flower mm-hmm. but he's a character actor who i guess is in like almost all of john carpenter's movies okay. john carpenter like always gave him a cameo and he's usually like a homeless guy or whatnot i uh, yeah, I can't specify any movies that he was in because I know he wasn't in the thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but 
So this the pharmacy owner comes out or the pharmacist comes out and he basically starts giving this dude a lecture about how he pays taxes. I'll talk to anybody I want to. You don't own this fucking sidewalk. You want to know something? I do own this fucking sidewalk. You want to know why? Because I pay fucking taxes. Fuck you. No, fuck you. But I love when he comes outside to shoo away the homeless guy. The homeless guy's like, you left customers in there. That's not a good way That's to run business. That's not good, yes. Oh my god and then he says i hope you die and that your body floats down the gutter so i can piss on oh it. fuck yeah that yeah. whole scene is good it's great and then he walks by an alley where the gin's just hanging out yes and it's like who are you a friend perhaps and so he the gin talks to the homeless guy and he's like hey that pharmacist sucks huh and the homeless guy's like yeah fuck that dude i hope he dies of cancer and he's like and the gin's like oh do you really want that homeless guy's like fuck yeah so then the the gin basically gives the pharmacist mega cancer yeah, i don't know how to describe cancer? it <laughs> it's like like leprosy there's like boils coming out of him He's just foaming at the mouth. Tom yeah, Savini is leaning so over him nasty. being like, are you all right, there's dude? There's pus everywhere. It's gross. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's where Tom Savini is. Yeah, there's there's a funny little moment where, because uh, the homeless guy's like, well, he should just get cancer. Get cancer and die. And then he watches this guy die. And then he like looks at his cigarette and he throws the cigarette <laughs> on the ground. It's like, oh, it's worse than and I ever thought it was. The gin leans over. He bends over and picks up the the cigarette that the homeless dude dropped on the ground and is basically just taught. I don't remember what the fuck he's saying, but he's like, he's like, you mere mortals <laughs> run and tell them I'm the, and the homeless guy's gone at this point. So he's talking to fucking no one. And he gives this whole speech about how he's like eternal and is still in this bum outfit. Run insect. Run and tell those you will what you will. Tell them there is something loose in their city. Something which feeds on wishes. And then after he's done giving this speech, he just takes a drag on the cigarette and just exhales like a fucking gangster. Yeah. God, it's so good. I hope to one day make a kill count on this movie. It'll be difficult with that opening fucking scene in the party later on. But assuming I do, that's the thumbnail right there, man. It's so Smoking cigarette funny. gin. Then we get some exposition backstory with the sisterly chat. This is where we find out that they're sisters, uh, Alex and Shannon, because they're talking about Josh's death and their parents' death and the fire, and Shannon's like, you're blaming yourself. It, uh, it's going to happen again. You're going to get hallucinations again. Yeah. And I don't know if this really ever comes back a lot. Uh, I other than just like people assuming she's kind of crazy, which is just yeah, a they staple. kind of hint at Alex having some sort of mental breakdown after the death of their parents because yeah. she was able to save her sister Shannon from the burning building, but not her parents. Right. But uh, so that's some fun backstory for our main character. She's just uh, a fully drawn character, huh? She's got backstory mm -hmm. and hobbies and mm -hmm. uh, a career. Mm -hmm. She's doing great. The actress, I don't think, really did anything else, though. I was. Yeah, I think I looked her Wikipedia. up, and this is what she's known for. Yeah, yeah. So, whenever if if you click on an actor or performer's name on Wikipedia, and that top paragraph says Wishmaster, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You That's... know what? I wouldn't be mad. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, she has a nightmare of her sister burning, and then she's uh, wakes up on the tennis court and yeah, Wishmaster, what? 
Wishmaster kind of is next to her, but it's not really Wishmaster. It's just like burnt Josh, maybe. I think it's I think it's Josh. Burnt Josh, but with Wishmaster's voice. Yeah. And then then she wakes up in bed. Uh, all these all these jump scares are accented by Manfredini's little little stingers, which is a lot of fun. It's just it. As, as someone who played that game a lot, Friday the Thirteenth, it's just it just felt like I was playing that game. Yeah. It's like, oh shit, Jason's here. Yeah. Uh, then she goes to the Department of Science, or no, she goes to a museum to talk to Robert England. Who, yeah. Whose character's name is Beaumont, but we're just gonna call him Robert England. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. come on. Um, at first I thought it was his house. <laughs> yeah. It's not. It's a museum. <laughs> yeah, and we find out he is not a very nice guy. He's no. much more concerned with his statue than his assistant's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, just your average evil rich man. His hair is weird. Oh, yeah. His hair is also doing weird it's stuff. It's all like gelled down. You know how Betty Boop has like Ooh, gelled yeah. hair that's like in little curls, but they're flat to her face? Yeah, it's really That's gross. what's going on with his hair. It's unfortunate. Yeah, 90s were, were too uh, gelled up. Mm-hmm. And I was I was also guilty of that in the 90s. I would just slather on the gel people ask me now how i do my hair and what gel i use step no one gel. is don't use gel don't dude. use gel i use a paste a little grip cream kind of thing mm-hmm. but gel is just, oh man i'm just imagining like that la looks or whatever gel is coming out of the bottle yeah. it's all blue and yeah. there's like bubbles and shit that stuff smells good though it does smell good hell on your hair though yep <laughs> Uh, at the Department of Science, though, there's like this shot of a guy with a jar of eyeballs. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Okay. So it's, yeah. Where is this at? I think it's the morgue or something. Oh, it is the morgue because it's the guy. Oh, hey, look. This is some fucking foreshadowing because the guy who gets scared by the guy with the eyeballs gets his eyes oh, taken out. Oh, he does. Wow, wow Wishmaster, you deep as fuck. So basically, we cut to the morgue where there's two like 90s stock kind of young dudes working in a morgue yeah this guy looks like he could be he looks like sideshow bob he does i was gonna (laughs) say he looks like he could uh tour with they might be giants and play like drums for them or something Mm -hmm. so we see this morgue technician and then there's a guy who pops out and is like blue with a jar of eyeballs and it's like got you man and leaves and we never see that guy ever he just leaves the morgue with this jar of eyeballs like that's another movie right there oh man i bet he does that all the time (laughs) like what's he fucking doing with those eyeballs man yeah uh yeah then uh this morgue assistant dude walks in and finds the wishmaster like oh oh but walking up to the morgue is when we when we see the wishmaster approaching this very public building you point out it's it's nice that they acknowledge oh, that this I guy looks this. fucking weird all of the extras are looking at him like who the fuck is this dude yeah because i hate when movies do that they kind of forget to like have extras react to stuff like if someone looks weird or something weird's going on, but I like that this movie is like no, everyone knows that this guy's weird looking and he does not blend in, even yeah. though he's he's got a homeless dude costume on. So Sideshow Bob finds him, and uh, this is when Wishmaster's getting his Patrick Warburton face, and he's stealing it from this dead guy in the morgue, and he he the the morgue dude finds him and is like, oh my god, and Wishmaster's like, do you want? Uh, uh, do you want to not see this shit anymore? Yeah. And the guy's like, yeah. Sure, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> and then his eyes disappear, mm-hmm. which is revealed in a fun little camera movement that swings around the, from the back of his head to the front. And uh, this, th- I think this was like a shot that I saw on a DVD I had of like 
crazy killers and wish this is how i found out about wishmaster was this scene was on there because then it then it's that crazy slanty distorted shot of uh his patrick warburton face and he's like smiling but like oh, the camera's super yeah. skewed and it it doesn't so he really gets like a pe- he gets a person face from the dead body he was fucking with yeah yeah so now he's got this person face yeah that apparently is sexy as hell yeah, I guess. I guess. Yeah. Oh, really quick. I just noticed in my notes in Robert England's gallery, we get a little Pazuzu cameo, which I appreciated. Oh, yeah. He's got like this hall of like statues of gods and Pazuzus hanging which out. Which must cost like billions of dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, Pazuzu's in there mm-hmm. just for another horror thing. Dude. Yeah. I love it. They care so much. Yeah. Uh, Alex goes and meets a. Oh wait, no! You were gonna talk about the genial and sexy. He goes like the clothing store to get a suit. Yeah, which is a very good scene. Yeah, yeah. He he goes uh goes shopping. We get our shopping montage. Surprised we didn't get a bunch of shots of him like coming out in different outfits and like people being like thumbs up, thumbs down. But I I guess this guy uh doesn't get any thumbs down because that. The chick she wants him. Yeah. What's her name? Anella, something like that. Yeah. She is into him. And uh he does a little nice party trick when he asks her cash. If oh she my wants cash god, credit, she's ringing him up and he she's like, cash or credit, and he's like, cash. No, and no, he he's like, What do you want? Oh. She's like, I guess cash. <laughs> and then cash in her boobs. That's right. Cash shows up in her cleavage. Yeah. And then he gets real weird. And this is what I'm like, please leave my store, sir, is when he's like, you know, you're very beautiful, but doesn't it totally bug you that you're going to die one day and be old? And she's like, I guess. I don't know. That's- I really appreciate her reaction. It's very stoic and measured. She's like, I guess that's life. Yeah. You know, happens And he's to like, but wouldn't you totally want it to not be that way, though? And she's like, I guess. And so he's like very well, and then he, so she can remain beautiful forever. He turns her into a mannequin. Yeah, a very strange looking. It's mannequin. really creepy. Looking. I don't know why they didn't just get like a regular mannequin. It's really weird. Yeah, uh, which if I do a kill count on, I was all prepared to chalk that up right then. But later, you see that when he's collecting his souls, and she's kind of still alive in that mannequin, dude. Yeah, you see her eyes like roll up into her head. So I guess she's just chilling as a mannequin. Mm-hmm. Uh, which that sucks. Yep. Alex goes to meet Professor Durlift. Oh, is this Emma Thompson's Emma Thompson lookalike? Yeah, the folklore professor, and she's the one who's like, forget Barbara Eden, forget Robin Williams, too soon, lady. And she's fun. She's yeah. A lot of fun. She's like directing this play going on. And like not giving Alex any attention, but Alex is forceful. And then she's like, "Oh, I like you." Uh, there's a an acting student does a jump scare with a mask. Oh gosh, yeah. Just for the jump scare, but she she just gives a lot of exposition about how the Jin, they're evil. They're just totes evil. Uh, they're not like our popular culture Jin, and that like their power is with wishes. Yeah. And they basically exist to make humans miserable. Like, that's their goal. Yeah. That's a fun little scene. Mostly because it's a fun acting stuff. You know, it's a fun scene, though, is the one that I think is next. The I p- have it written down as station? Nice. Oh, no. But that is a crazy police scene. Police station scene's insane because uh, the djinn walks into the police station to talk to Nathanson, that the cop played by Frost. And <laughs> he like he's trying to get Alex's phone number to reach her. 
I find that hilarious that he's limited. So yeah, he can't he's like eternally number. powerful, but he can't use a phone book. Yeah, he has to fucking create a diversion so he can steal her business yes. card from a file. <laughs> but he's talking to this cop, and the cop just starts like bearing his soul to this complete fucking stranger. Cause, yeah. Cause the, the wish master's like, Hey man, why are you feeling so bad? And the cops like, you see that guy over there, man, I just want to bust him. He's always getting off. Mm-hmm. He's never, nothing ever sticks to him. He's like Teflon. I just wish we could bust him for, for first degree murder. And so the Wishmaster makes it so this guy just fucking grabs a gun, shoots yeah. two cops dead, rips the jaw off another guy. Yeah. It's so oh, awesome. Oh, it was so gross. And during the kerfuffle is when the djinn steals Alex's business card and gets her number. Yeah. Gets them digits. Yep. Uh, fun scene right there. What were you thinking is next? Um, When he goes to the auction house and Kane Hodder's there. Yeah, that's after Alex does some research with some wine and cigarettes. Oh, my God. White wine and cigarettes. Yeah, she is having a night. Oh, man. (laughs) She gets out all her textbooks, and it's, yeah, just a montage of her, like, up all night smoking and (laughs) getting wine drunk. Yeah. Learning about gin. You you go, Alex. Yeah. You have that night to yourself. (laughs) It's weird how, if this movie were made today, it'd be red wine. Yeah. I feel like red wine is in vogue right now. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't aware that white wine was maybe more popular uh, back then. But yeah, red wine's definitely mm-hmm. the preferred wine now. And she wouldn't be smoking. She would not be smoking. Last no. time we had like a protagonist smoke was Avatar, and people made fucking a huge deal of That's it. That's right. Sigourney Weaver smoked, and everyone was like, "Why is she smoking?" That's right. Sometimes characters smoke. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, but I guess definitely more frequently in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes. You're right. Then we get our Kane Hodder cameo. Oh, man. This is another very good scene that kind of sealed for me how much I love this movie <laughs> in general. So he goes to the auction house. It's after hours. And he basically, there's a glass door. And so he is talking. The gin is talking through the glass door at the security guard played by Kane Hodder. And he's like, hey, I need to to talk to your boss. And Kane Hodder's like, it's appointment only. I'm sorry. And he's like, I have to get inside. He's being super creepy about it. Again, he looks like a a normal dude right now, like a dude wearing a suit. He's like basically just badgering Kane Hodder. And then calls him little man. Yeah, little man. I've dealt with your type before, little man or something. (laughs) And then he, fuck, how does it go? Somehow Kane Hodder says, I wish you would. I wish you would get the fuck out of here or something. (laughs) And so then what happens? And this is the funniest shit is the gin like involuntarily it starts turning around because this guy wished he would leave. And he's just going, no, no, no. I have to get inside. Well, now you'd have to go through me. <laughs> and that is something I would love to see. Perfectly played by Andrew Dimoff. And then Kane Hodder says, to get in, you'd have to go right through me. And oh man, I would love to see that. Yeah. So then Wish Kane, granted. you were almost in the clear, dude. Wish granted, I don't understand how. Because I thought, because he turns him into like glass. And I thought he would break him. Yeah. But no, he walks through this glass guard. It's so weird. Comes out the other side in a very strange, you know, 90s CG effect, leaves, and then Kane Hodder shatters with some more 90s CG of glass shards. I don't really get what 
was happening in this part. It's weird. It's hard to even explain. You would just have to kind of watch it. Yeah. But we get Kane Hodder, uh, stained glass Kane Hodder. Yeah. Stained glass? No, I got nothing. He goes and talks to uh, crunchy hair Nick, who's, you know, the guy, the guy at the auctioneer place. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. And the, the for, for his credit, he's a good boss because he's, he's like, all right. You're creepy, and I know you're trying to get my employee's number because you're a creep, and I'm not going to give it to you. He already, like, knows this dude's shady. Yeah. And so what happens is there's this, like, artifact just chilling on his desk, and the djinn is like, nice, this is a nice thingy. Don't you wish it was ten times more valuable? And the guy's like, sure, I would, sure, I would love that. <laughs> and so the djinn turns it gold. Like, it, he he turns it from, like, kind of a tarnished-looking silver to, like, gold. The guy's like, holy fuck. And then... The guy's like, well, that's pretty great, but I'm still not going to give you her number. And the djinn's like, what would it take? That's right. And the guy's like, I don't know. I don't know, million, million dollars. dollars. And then the guy's like, do you want... The djinn's like, do you want a million dollars? And the guy's like, Sure. Cut to, oh my God, this, <laughs> uh, I almost had to pause the movie because I was laughing so hard. Cut to the inside of an airport um, where this <laughs> this old lady who looks like Mrs. Doubtfire is <laughs> like, I think she's buying a plane ticket and then she, I don't know why the you way- would be signing forms like this at an airport. Because we needed it for the for movie. plot. Yeah. Um, so she signs a form listing the the auction house owner, who he realizes her son, as her beneficiary, like like basically leaving all of her money to him. And she's like, "Oh, my son runs this auction house, and blah blah blah." And, uh, he's very wealthy, and so. But apparently, she's worth a million dollars. Apparently, she's worth a ton of money. So she leaves him all her money. Then cut to plane taking off. Plane explodes in like, the sky immediately. It's so funny. Holy that shit! That plane is off the ground for three seconds, and then it blows up. Oh wait a minute! You forgot to fill in the beneficiary. How oh, silly! It's my son Nick. <laughs> he owns a very prestigious auction house. There you go. Thanks for your business, Mrs. Merritt. Enjoy your flight. He killed so many people with yeah. that, man. Oh, my God. But it was so sudden. It, it was like... <laughs> I thought maybe she would have a heart attack or something. <laughs> no, he kills a whole fucking plane, He kills plane, a plane dude. of people. Oh, it's oh, great. Fuck, it's so it's funny. It's so funny. Uh, then he collects all his souls. I claim that, which is owed. And we see all the people like, oh, and their souls uh, leaving. So that's the, uh, per, the Officer Nathanson, the bum, the eye guy, the mannequin, all their souls are just, oh, and Nick, mm-hmm. crunchy hair Nick. Uh, Wishmaster collects all those souls. And it's like, okay, that's an act break. We're moving into into like final stuff, I think. Yes. So... Alex goes to visit that professor we were talking about earlier, the Emma Thompson looking lady, mm-hmm. um, who we quickly realize is actually just the gin yeah. disguises her because <laughs> Alex shows up and this lady's like, 
do you want something to drink? Do you want me to turn on the heat? Are you cold? Do you want me to do the... And he's trying to just bait her into to saying yes to something. Yeah, he's trying to burn through the three wishes that she needs to... Yes. ...to get. Yes. And she's like, lady, I don't want your maker's mark. I don't want the heat. This cabinet's totally nice. Your boss would love this as she's opening maker's mark and is like, this is very fancy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very fancy alcohol. <laughs> I'm like a gin. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they melt actual wax on the cover. Yeah. It must be nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then but then he's he also uses expressions such as such as shit just hit the fan. Yes, he shit. Says I wrote quote shit just hit the fan, didn't it? Unquote. <laughs> uh, so he does reveal himself as the gin to Alex and gives her a freebie wish. I think, and she wishes for him to blow his brains out. Yeah. So he does with some fun little effects. And he's like, see, uh, that witch's eternal cannot die. But if it's any consolation, that hurt like a bitch. Yeah, I liked that. And then she wishes to see yeah, who what he she, is. She wants to know what he is. So and he's mad. he's got in this scene, he's got his little tendrils are like moving. They're like wriggling yeah. around on his on his shoulders. So basically once she wishes that she gets like sucked into the inside the gem mm-hmm. which is apparently where his little throne room is is inside this little opal i was just thinking of while watching it killer clowns because oh. it looks kind of like the inside the spaceship but i would venture to say that it looked better in killer clowns because this is just like this red these red tunnels with some smoke machines going on yeah and it just looks so shitty as they're running around it and there's kind of like a He's got like a little sex dungeon thing going on. Oh yeah, people are getting whipped and shit. Yes, he's got like he's on his throne, and she sees the souls of all the people that made wishes. So yeah. we have like the clerk from the store, and we have uh, what's his face, Joey or is it Joey? Uh, Nick. I don't know. Crunch here. That, that's the auction guy. Yeah. Who's her? Josh. Josh. Oh. Right. It's oh. all. It's all those people, and they're all getting like whipped and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then he's got a dog. He's got a dog. He's got a genie dog. A real shit looking dog, dude. Yeah. This dog does not look good. And why does he have a dog? I don't know. We don't see it any other. It chases her like it's the alien in Alien 3. Yeah, that's what I thought of. Yeah, he's like chasing her down these halls. He's like going on the ceiling. (laughs) It's a first person point of view. It's literally Alien 3. That's I thought of that too, where it looks all weird and like copy pasted. Yeah. On. Yeah, it's not great. This is a weird fucking scene, dude. She wishes to be brought back to her apartment without him in it. Without him in it. And then she is zapped back and then she just, the phone rings and she knows it's him. So she picks up and just goes, fuck you. (laughs) And it hangs up. No, when the phone rings, it's a crash zoom on the answering machine. It's like this hardcore <laughs> crash zoom. Yeah, and it's like Bell South. And but then we exist. <laughs> yeah. But then it's it's not that she like answers it. He leaves her a message. Also, oh my god, that's right. Also, it's like it's like leave a message at the beep. Hi, it's me, the Jin. <laughs> Two wishes in. We're so connected now. Wherever you go, there I'll be. Wherever you are, I will find you. Fuck you! And earlier in the movie, he's like in her head. She's hearing his voice in her head. But at this point, he's just giving her a call. Like, hi, it's me. By the way, really need you to make that third wish. Yeah. And then she does answer and is like, fuck you. you. Yeah. Oh, man. (laughs) 
Oh, and then, so she's like, oh, I got to get to this party. This oh, Robert, Robert England's England party. throwing a party because she knows her sister is there. Yeah, yeah, also. yeah. But on the way there, there's just a random scene of her driving to the party, uh, driving like crazy yeah. all over the road, stopping in the road. And then the gin's at her window and he's like, going my way. And she like drives off and that's it. Like, why? It's so nuts. What we he... did not need. It's great. How did that not get cut? I don't know. Just have her get to the party. Yeah. So have... she shows up at the party and this is when I... I Actually, sc- no. He gets to the party first. Oh. Because we get our Tony Todd cameo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As Johnny Valentine. Bouncer extraordinary. This is when I yelled, fucking finally. Yeah. We get Tony Todd, the oh, sexiest. I guess, I, I guess she does villain. get there. She gets there first. You're right. I'm sorry. Because she gets let in. And then he's like. Because he, he, she tells Tony Todd, this guy's chasing me. Yeah. And so Tony Todd doesn't check her credentials at all. No. He just lets her in. So like, there's a, there's That's a tip for Tony you. Because Tony Todd is great. Well, I'm just saying tip for you. If you ever want to get into a fancy party, I can like go with you. And then you can run up to the bouncer and be like, this guy's chasing me. This guy's me. crazy. You'll get in. Uh, I guess I'll you have might a, get arrested. I'll have a growling match with Tony Todd because oh, that's what happens. God, they—it's so funny. They—they they both are just snarling at each other. It's Tony Todd <laughs> and the Gin, and they're both like talking in these super low voices. I've dealt with your type before, Mister. You never even met my type before. And eventually, oh, Tony. I wish he was in it more because I love him. He was in it more than Kane Hodder. That's he had, fair. He, he had more lines than Kane Hodder. That's fair. Kane Hodder was very come and go. Yeah, he just died. Uh, Tony Todd eventually relents and admits that he would like to escape. Yeah, he the the gin basically baits him into admitting that he doesn't love doing this job, being a bouncer day in and day out. He's like, I would, I would like to escape. And so Jin walks away rack to in the background <sighs> tony Todd. Tony todd's in uh a water like a houdini it's like a water tank yeah and he's wearing a straight jacket and the gin goes <laughs> houdini did it in two and a half minutes and exits frame right into the party <laughs> yeah as tony todd <sighs> presumably drowns death mm-hmm. great a lot of this movie has so many fun deaths. It does. It has a lot of fun kills in yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, because we're about to get fucking insane. Here. This is when <laughs> shit goes crazy. This is when it gets blown out entirely. Because yeah. she gets the party, her sister's there. Her sister's like, check out this that hot guy from the basketball court. Cause there was a scene where uh while Alex was coaching her little her little kids, her sister was in the stands and like noticed the gin. And got all hot for him. Yeah. Because no one can resist uh, Andrew Divoff. Yeah. It's, you know what? It's the confidence. He walks yeah. around with that confidence and that, that's what will do it, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's like, hey, he's that hot guy's here and he's talking to Robert England over there. Yeah. And that's when he gets Robert England to <sighs> wish. To wish that. Oh, uh, So what happens is the Jin alludes to the, the scene we saw at the beginning mm-hmm. is he's like, I, I once knew of a guy who he threw a party that people talked about for, for hundreds of years. And yeah. the Robert Ingen's like, oh man, I wish I could throw a party like that. And so the Jin grants his wish and I don't even know shit hits the what fans. happens i mean the first big thing is the lady turns to glass and blows up yeah and just slices people's faces off and yeah impales people we get uh, uh crazy tentacles coming out of a statue that one guy gets decapitated with piano wire and i believe that that guy is the director in a cameo 
Got it. Okay. Uh, I I think I read that. Yeah. But it was a it's a nice decapitation. These piano wires just coming out and uh, yeah, this scene's crazy. Like, the, there's, there's a guy a on of... fire doing a fire stunt mm-hmm. in an obvious burn suit. Yes, I, that made me laugh very hard. <laughs> it's like cut stunt. to guy in burn suit. <laughs> in like the classic like the the footage just slowed down so you get more time out yeah. of it because he couldn't actually be on fire for that um, long although this guy seemed like he was on fire for a while yeah so props to him uh listen to the music of their agony oh so fun and he his eyes like roll back in his head and he's rock hard you know it yeah all these so this is the point of where i'm like nobody wished for a fucking piano to kill people or for these statues to come to he's life. just having fun this is this is the writer being like you know what i've made it this far i liked the statues a lot and this is after she already saw one statue come to life and throw a trident at yeah her. so she knows that statues, so she knows that this is the thing yeah oh this is also after robert england spits up a black lung fuck like what is that i i wrote down one of my notes is just i hate seeing robert england like this <laughs> i hate so much seeing him him, like totally wuss out at the sight of the gym because in my head he's just Freddy and it's so weird <laughs> having him be like oh my god so she runs away to this hallway where the, yeah there's these statues yeah oh and you know what I read I didn't notice it when we watched it but I read that apparently you can see Pazuzu fucking up people in the background I noticed that oh you did yeah, see him I noticed people Pazuzu, yeah nice. the statues reminded me of that um fuck and I forget what it's called I'm just having a brain fart that those like statues in China where like they discovered them oh, the terracotta army yeah the terracotta army yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. it reminded me of yeah thank you uh, that's what it's called that yeah, there's like four statues and she like walks down the hall in between them uh, just very slowly because I guess that'll help not bring them to life. Oh, but then wow. some cops run in and they're like, ma'am, we're evacuating the area. And then the it's then statues versus cops. Oh, don't forget about Dr. Caligari. Hopping Is out it of Dr. Caligari? I think it might, it might be Dr. Jekyll. I don't know, though. I think it might be Dr. Caligari. It. He's got know. a top hat. There's He's, like a painting where it's where this dude pops out, and we think it's Dr. Caligari, but we're not sure. Yeah, someone can correct us on that in a polite way. That that'd be nice. I just I was trying to Google what it was, but anytime you Google Wishmaster painting, you just get the painting of her sister that we see in the next scene. Oh yeah, where her sister's on fire. Yeah. So she so Alex runs into this room that only has the one exit, and so the gin's blocking it. Uh, with all the statues, he has like a whole posse now. Yeah. And at this point, he says, "Fuck it, you fuck it." And he also says, "Baby, I don't know what context." He but- says, uh, "All right then, fuck it." You know what I say? If you can't beat them, burn them, baby. There's a painting of Alex's sister in a burning building, and you can hear her sister screaming. And so Alex is like, "Oh fuck, I gotta make my my final wish." And to me. This solution is so simple. Yeah. But no, she had to get all still for it. And she wishes, she says, I wish Mickey Torelli wasn't drinking on the job two days ago, I think is what she says. And Mickey Torelli was the crane operator from the yeah. beginning. So when she wishes that, that means he would never have dropped the, the crate, which means the, the gin would have never been un, like unleashed. So basically the whole plot didn't happen. Yeah. And it works. Except she remembers everything. Oh, does she? Is that... She must because I don't think she would be all over her coworker. Oh, that's right. Because the moral of the story is, hey, 
that that uh, guy who wants to date you, but you just think of him as a friend. He could die. Any he could day. die any second. So, so you should date you him. You might as well date him. So nothing happened. It goes back to like the thing being delivered. And Robert England's like, I've been waiting for this for years. So he gets a shipment. Everything's good. Um, and then we see that Alex wants to go on a date with Joey and she like wants his dick so bad. And yeah. he's like, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, even he's a And it just is weird that her motivation to date him is, I felt really sad when I, he died. So, yeah. you know, we might as well. Yeah. That's, that's sending all sorts of wrong messages, I know. man. Uh, if your only reason to date someone is like, I guess I'd be sad if they died. <laughs> I don't know. It's <laughs> this, but yeah, that solution there, it seems so simple because I kind of like it though. That's I, a very fairy tale solution. It is, but couldn't she have also been like, "I wish Robert England had never ordered ordered you"? you. I don't know. I guess I guess this way she knows it's safely in Robert England's collection. Yeah, and then this way, you know, that event is something we can see happen again. Yeah. Whereas, like, what flashback to Robert England being like, you know what? <laughs> I can't afford this and like not ordering it. Yeah, it's just like, him going would... over his finances. Like, ooh, didn't really make yeah. enough last quarter. I think I'll have to put this one out of hold. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then we were also talking about like, I wish that you had never existed, but then he could just he could just uncreate the universe. Yeah. So, so that's no good. Maybe don't fuck with that. I guess it's a good solution. Yeah, or like I I guess like I wish you specifically didn't exist. Dude, so I'm sure he'd find a way. He'd find it. a way, yeah. She did it though. She did, yeah. And he doesn't doesn't he say like not by you, not by you? He basically is like no, and then he gets sucked into the gem, and there's like a, a fucking it's like the mask. He's getting sucked in, and then his eyes kind of like pop out. It's yeah. very silly. So anyway, yeah. So life is normal. Robert England gets his statue, and then it's the very last shot of the movie is you see his gallery of statues where like Pazuzu was and stuff, and it zooms in to where the statue there was like a space for was it Ahura Mazda? Yes. And then it keeps going, and it zooms like into the statue, and that's where the gem was. Yeah. And you see the Jin sitting there in the gem, and he's waiting to be unleashed. Yeah. So sequels. Yeah. So that's Wishmaster. How do you how do you feel about Wishmaster? I feel like I it's fucking obvious. love Wishmaster. Yeah, Wishmaster is like it has a place in my heart now because it's so <laughs> stupid and so fun and has Tony Todd in it. Yeah, and I love Tony Todd. This movie has a lot going for it. It it's really got does. So many kills that are like so fun. All of them are fun, and you know it's never just people getting stabbed and shit it's all these fun wacky like wordplay kills yeah i feel like everyone in it is having fun yeah i feel like the guy playing the gin is in on the joke Mm -hmm. it's got great practical effects yeah there's a lot of really cool effects in this there's a lot of really bad effects in this but i feel like for every bad effect there's a really good one Mm -hmm. yeah yeah because like it does use some 90s cg but like whatever it could have it looks bad but this movie I think we talked about this is just for the year it's made. This is when everyone was like, we got to have CG in everything. Yeah. This was like starting to ramp up to the late nineties. Everything from them looks like shit. And I just think it's cool. that This movie could have looked so much shittier, mm-hmm. but there's still a lot of practical stuff. Yeah. And I mean, that's definitely because of uh, the director Kurtzman being a makeup artist guy who like yeah. does that kind of stuff. So that's why we get, cool shit man i mean i'd imagine just this movie you have so many horror people involved 
I can't see a scenario where this whole movie is a CGI like sludge fest. I think uh, any any horror fan who has seen a lot of horror movies knows a lot of horror people. Fucking watch this, man. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I don't. I I know I've seen Wishmaster two and three before. Uh, they were out back when like I was super into horror movies as a kid. Uh, fourth one I never saw, but like I said, Andrew Divoff is only Wishmaster in the second one, and I I have no idea the quality of those movies. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll watch them eventually. Um, I'm sure I'll do a kill count on this eventually. It'll be a hell of a kill count. A fucking plane blows up, and oh then all the God. deaths get reversed at the end. But I'm still gonna count them. It'll be a mess. There'll be a lot. It of will be comments. like a soul capture count. Kind oh, of. see, yeah, I don't know. It's complicated. It'll be very complicated, but I can't let this movie. I loved. I it. I need more people to be aware of this. It's, so oh my god, it has to be covered. Yeah, highly recommend. It's not scary. <laughs> um, any jump scares in it? There's not really. I mean, there are, there but are. they're not. They're not effective. They didn't really get me. Yeah, I just kind of laughed at them. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I hate jump scares. I absolutely despise them. <laughs> so I will always say if there's any bad ones in a movie and there weren't in this. So thank you for listening to our uh, movie review of Wishmaster. Loved it. Uh, make sure to hit us up on email at deadmeatpod at gmail.com if you have any suggestions or questions or complaints or uh you know, if, if if you have a life goal and you're not sure how to obtain it, just go ahead and email us and we'll let you know what to do. We're guidance counselors. Yeah. We're also on social media at Dead Meat James on Twitter and Instagram. And Chelsea, where can people find you? I'm at Carebeck on Twitter and Instagram. That's C-A-R-E-B-E-C-C. That's right. And my personal Twitter and Instagram are at James A. Janice. Uh, that personal Twitter gets pretty political, so if you want to avoid that, just stick to Dead Meat James. And uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. It's been a great time with the launch of this podcast. We never expected it to to do as well as it has, so thank you so much for listening and subscribing, and make sure you keep that up. Leave reviews on iTunes, give us five-star ratings, all that good stuff. Yeah, thank you guys. Thanks. Thanks.